All right. Life is better together. Amen. Yeah, some of you guys agree with that. But anyway, I'm glad y'all are here. Welcome to a journey, man. And uh, if you're joining us online, welcome. And uh, hopefully you've already uh, had a chance to kind of cruise around and check out some of the tables that are set up for Life Group. I know, uh, you know some of you guys got some of the brownies and some of the picking the blankets and stuff like that. But uh, if you get a chance, go around and just check it out. And that's what today is about. Now, some of you guys may think, hey, you know, I don't really want to go do that. You can take your QR code. And if you guys are online, hopefully they'll throw that up on the screen. But there's a QR code that you can hit that you can go and it'll kind of take you to the, web, uh, to the website. And it'll show you where our life groups are at and what's out there. And so this whole series we're going to be doing is going to be talking about life is better together. And that's a good place to start. I'm just telling you, it's a good place to start. Number one, being here, that's a cool thing. Glad you guys are here. Uh, but it's also an, another opportunity to take things to another level. And we're going to look today, you know, life is better together. Um, and God's word points to that. And even the design that God created man was created for community. So we're going to take a look at Life is Better Together in this new series, why we need each other. You may think, I don't need anybody. I mean, that may be your mentality. You just have that, you know, I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. But you really do. You know, you just bought the lie is what it is. You have bought the lie that the enemy sells that you don't need anybody. And really, we need each other. And so God created us that way. He has designed us that way. And I know, you know, in our culture, oftentimes there's this uh, independent, I don't need anybody, I don't need anything mentality, but I'm just telling you, that's the cult, that's the lie of the culture and that's the lie of the enemy. God's word says we need each other and it says we really need him, right? And we need him through that personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we just got through singing about. And and so why we need each other, I want us to kind of unpack some of this. We're going to look at a couple of verses here, side of Romans. We've read these as we were talking about spiritual gifts and talking about the body of Christ and how, you know, God uses us to help build one another up, but says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to what? To each other. We belong to each other. If you're a part of the body of Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus for salvation, if you have been saved, if you have been redeemed, if you have been reborn, you know, if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. Now, I mean, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. There's no question about that. Then here's the thing. You're part of the church. You're part of the body of Christ. And so we have been told in scripture that we are to be there for one another and we're to use our spiritual gifts to help build up the body of Christ. And if we don't use that, we're robbing those around us and we're robbing ourselves of the blessings that come with that. And so scripture is clear here in, in uh, Romans 12 that, man, we're to, we're to be there for one another. We're to, we belong to each other. We're created for a community. And so if we go back to the very beginning, we were created for community. So if we go back to the very beginning, go all the way to Genesis and God, you know, spoke everything into existence. So a lot of us, you know, we love, you know, we love sunsets and sunrises. We love the birds. We love the sky. We love the clouds. We love the sun. We love the mountains. God spoke all that into existence for us, right? And he puts us in charge of that. And so he created man. He, he literally takes man, forms him out of the dust of the earth, and he breathes his own life into him, right? And so God breathes life into man, and he creates him to spend time with him. And so literally, you know, Adam would literally walk with God the Father, and he would spend time with him in, in, the, in the cool of the day there. You know, they're just they're having this conversation. There's community taking place. So we were created for community. All of us were. We're created for that. We're cr- created to have this r- right relationship with the Father, and the more that we spend time with him, the more that it changes us and impacts us and empowers us. And, and so we were created for community. And, and, and we see that, you know, God says, hey, listen, it's not good for man to be alone. You know, he, he creates a woman. We're created for relationships as well. So not only for community, but for relationships. A relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. That's how that happens. 
You know, we, we, we literally put our faith in what Jesus did. God provided the way for us to have a right relationship by sending his son to go to the cross that we might live. That's what we were just singing about, right? And, and so we were created for relationships. So a relationship with the father and then he creates Eve. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. He brings Eve. He, he literally uh, puts, you know, Adam to sleep, creates you know, her out of his rib and brings them together and says, hey, listen, you guys are going to be in a relationship. You're going to populate the earth. And he blesses that. And so it's not good for us to be alone. The Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And God did. And so everything was perfect. Perfect. It was utopia. But the thing is, is we have the fall. We have the fall of man where sin enters in, you know, and and so we kind of just dealt with that in this prize series we were talking about. And, and it's like, hey, listen, you'll be like God. You know, Lucifer kind of sold them the lie. And, they, and they, there's the fall of them. And so those relationships were strained and broken. And so we, again, have to be redeemed, have to be redeemed by, by Christ. And then this relationship with the Father always affects these relationships here. And, and so we need to understand that we need these relationships. So I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. So why do I need people in my life? There's a lot of different reasons. We're going to unpack those days. So I need others to walk with me. Um, you know, Laurie and I, we, we like to walk together and, um, and so we'll, we'll walk for exercise, but it's also a time of communication. It's a time of kind of bonding and talking through things. And, uh, and so we, we, we like to do that. And so there's times I walk without her and it's just not the same, you know, and I can even walk with Sadie. We we'll, we'll take Sadie, our, our lab and, you know, we'll walk and it's just not the same if Laurie's not there. And when she's had to walk same way, and I don't know about you guys, but you know, going for a walk and it's kind of like going to the gym, you know, you can go work out and exercise and it's it's effective but it's not the same as you got somebody there that's pushing you or challenging you or or maybe if they're just there to you know to challenge you to show up you know hey listen I'll meet you at whatever time and if you don't show up they dog you out and so there's that accountability right and and so we need each other so but we need people to walk with us in life um you know there's no long ranger Christians uh you know it's really about having that mentality that man I need I need community I need I need to walk through life with people and, um, you know, and so a lot of us, like I said, we've, we've bought the lie. Hey, I don't need anybody, but you really do. And God's word is going to clear that up for you today, I think. And so we often, you know, become hard hearted. And I'll just tell you this, we get jaded. And maybe it's because you've been wounded by relationships. There's nobody in this room that has not been wounded by some relationship. We all are. That's part of life. You know, we're going to go through life. We're going to take steps. We're going to take risks. We're going to take chances. And someone's going to step on our heartstrings. And for some of these parents in here, you just wait. It's going to be your kids that you love so much. They'll step on your heartstrings. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I realize that, you know, wounds and wounds in relationships, that's just part of life. But Jesus heals those wounds, right? And he shows us how to deal with those wounds. Jesus was betrayed. I mean, he's hanging on a cross to bleed out his precious blood for your sins and my sins. And all these guys who said, I'll be there to the end, Jesus, they bail on him, right? And so he knows what it's like to have wounded, been wounded by, in relationships, to be hurt like that. And so we, we've got to understand that, you know, I need people to walk with me. I need people to walk with me. And I, I love what it says here in, in, in Colossians. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And so we're following Christ, right? We're, if we're a follower of Jesus, if we're a follower of Christ, then we're walking, we're doing life. And we need people walking with us. Jesus, who did not need anybody whatsoever in his life, who was completely God, you know what I'm saying? But yet completely man, didn't need anybody. He had 12 helpers, right? 12 disciples. He had 12 guys that hung around him. Not to count the other people that were a part of his community and a part of his life. So if we're really followers of Jesus, then we need to have community. We need to have relationships and uh, friendships 
and spend time with people. You can't be this isolated person and say that you're a follower of Christ and say, hey, listen, I don't want anybody in my life. I'm not going to take risk on relationships and I'm going to keep everybody at arm's length. You're not following Jesus very well because that's not what he did. He took time away to go and meet with the father, to pray and, and literally to come back and to have these relationships with people and to pour into them and to love on them and to heal them and to, and to challenge them. And so we've got to understand if we're following Jesus, we're walking, man, we're following him. If he's ahead of us, we're following him. And we need people walking with us just like Jesus had people walking with him. It says, let your roots grow down deep into him. Talking about Jesus and let your lives be built on him. In other words, it's on his, his teachings. It's on how he lived. It's on his promises. It says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And so if you're here today and you're lonely or you're isolated, you know, and you're, you don't have any real friends, you don't have any real relationships and you're going, all right, Mike, I don't know if I really buy this because I've been wounded so many times. Look at what it says, man, when we grow down into the teachings of Christ and we really do have right relationships and healthy relationships, it says we're overflowing with thankfulness. We're thankful for all that God's done in our life. You know, we're walking through life going, God, thank you for my friends and God, thank you for my family and God, thank you for these people that you put in my life. And so we're overflowing with that. In Hebrews, we use this a lot talking about, you know, not forsaking the assembly, not, not giving up meeting for church because there's always something that can come up. I was just talking with somebody you know, about, you know, there's all, all we, they call it championship Sunday a lot of times in softball and baseball and different things where there's travel ball and stuff included. And I always said, you know, man, I would be cool if they just did Friday and Saturday and let Sunday be, you know what, that's when you go to the church with your family. But of course, everything wants to take the place of where God's at, right? And so we, we let something kind of creep in there. We say, hey, well, listen, well, it's going to be championship Sunday. And so we're going to play on that day. And, and the thing is, is, you know, why don't we, why don't we say, God, you're first, you're more important than any sport that's out there. And we're going to focus on that. We're going to, we're going to focus on those things. But we have a tendency to neglect the gathering together because of anything that comes up. You know, we understand that there might be an ox in the ditch. And if you don't understand that parable, it says, hey, there are sometimes on a Sunday where somebody has got an ox in the ditch and you work to help them get that ox out of the ditch. In other words, you're doing something because you're not going to let it die there. You're going to take care of that, even though it may be on a Sunday or a Sabbath. But here's the thing is there are too many times that there's no ox in the ditch. It's just we choose something over the God that we claim that we serve and, the, and Jesus who we claim that we follow. And we make them secondary, make, make Jesus and God secondary to other things that we think are more important. And so, again, it says, and let, let us not neglect our meeting together, some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's hard to encourage people sometimes when they're not here. And it's hard to encourage people when we're not here. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help us to be intentional about being together so that we can encourage one another. We can affirm one another and we can at times even challenge one another. Ephesians says that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So that's God's picture of the church, right? And look at what it says again. It says each part, so that's each of us have a part to play to help build up and grow the body of Christ. We talked about our spiritual gifts just a couple of weeks ago, but look what it says. It helps the other parts grow. In other words, to grow spiritually. So we need other people to grow and become all that we're supposed to be and all that they're supposed to be. So it's working together. And so that the whole body is healthy and growing. So that the body is healthy and growing. So we need to come together to be healthy and growing. We've got to have that. Community is God's answer to loneliness. 
There, there's some of you sitting in the room today or maybe watching online that you feel lonely. And you go, you know what? You know, I've got people in my life, but I feel lonely. I feel isolated. And let me tell you, the, the enemy loves to isolate us. He loves to. He loves to isolate us and kind of pick us out. If you ever watch National Geographic or something like that, what we have a tendency to do is we, we do like those, you know, the, the herd animals, if you will, will get separated from the herd and the enemy, the lion or whatever the predator might be, they go, that's what I'm going after. The scripture even says, Peter said, hey, listen, you know, the, uh, the enemy is like a angry lion prowling around seeking whom he may destroy and devour. And so the enemy is watching you whenever you get separated and you're kind of out on your own and you've isolated yourself and you distance yourself from everybody, you're easy prey. And it's just like what we see on National Geographic or some of those Discovery Channel things. Whenever you see the, the enemies picking out, that's the one I'm going after because they're vulnerable, they're weak, or maybe that, you know what, they're isolated. And we've got to be able to say, you know, God, help me to stay connected and engaged and involved in the relationships around me. Are they, are they taxing? Yes. Are they tough? Yes. Relationships are hard work, right? A good marriage is hard work. I mean, relationships are hard work. You have to work at it. It doesn't just happen. And so community is God's answer to the loneliness. I had a friend of mine who started a church in uh, New York City. It was called The Journey. And he said that they had more people in life groups or community groups than they did in their services. And he said the reason was because in New York City, it's the loneliest place in the world. All these people, billions of people. And he said, it's the loneliest place in the world. And he said, so what for them, whenever they would say, hey, listen, we have community groups is what they call them. He said, man, people just flocked to them because they didn't have community in the middle of all these millions of people. They just didn't have it. But they could get in a small group of people and feel like they had friends and they had community. And so community is God's answer to loneliness. To be fully healthy and fully alive, we must be connected with God and with one another. So if you really want to be alive, if you really want to be healthy, number one, it takes a right relationship with God the Father through faith in his son Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. Like I said, when Jesus went to the cross, he, he bled out his precious blood for our sins to pay for my sins, pay for your sins. And so whenever we realize that we're sinners, that we're broken, we're in need of a savior, we put our faith in what Jesus did. We surrender our life. We say, Jesus, here I am. I give you my life. And, and we believe with everything that's in us, all the faith that we have that Jesus left heaven, came here, went to the cross, died for my sins, for the sins of the world. And then literally he was resurrected by the power of God and there's an empty grave. And we celebrate that as Easter, right? We celebrate an empty grave. There's a resurrected savior and he offers to me and he offers to you freedom from the bondage of sin, you know, from the bondage of, of death, of the grave. We are over that. That is behind us because Jesus already purchased us and bought us with a price. And here's the thing, if that relationship is right and we're connected with the father, here's the thing, it's going to affect these other relationships. When this relationship is right, it affects all these relationships. And so I've, if I'm really going to be in good standing with the Father, I've got to be in good standing with people. He tells me that I am to forgive just as I've been forgiven. And so if you're here today and you're lonely because you're holding on to bitterness or anger or resentment or wounds from past relationships, and you're like, I'm not going to forgive them. You're not lining up with the Father. You're not following Jesus real well. And here's the thing is that relationship between you and the Father needs a little attention. And whenever we get that one right, we will get these right because the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to do that. And so we've got to have that. And so 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. The scripture is clear over and over that we're to love each other, not avoid each other, not to isolate from each other, but to, to have deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. 
Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Some of you guys are thinking, what? I'm going to open up my home to someone, you know, because they don't have anywhere to stay. I'm going to feed them. You know, and in this culture, that almost sounds crazy, but that's what God's word is telling us to do. Hey, listen, man, be hospitable. Yeah, I, I love this. There are people that are using their gifts of hospitality. You can look around at the tables and some of them have done a really good job. I mean, you can tell they have the gift of hospitality. They're using that gift. You know, and then there's some who, you know, maybe didn't do a whole lot. I don't know, you know, but the thing is, is that's not their gift. Maybe their gift is teaching. It's okay, right? We work together with those things and the body comes together, but we love each other. We meet each other's needs. That's the way the body, the Christ, the body of Christ was designed. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. We can't isolate and do that. We can't isolate and distance ourselves and say, you know what? I'm going to put these barriers up. I'm going to put these walls up and I'm not going to let anybody get close to me ever again. Then you really can't follow scripture. You can't follow Jesus very well. And so we've got to be willing to forgive and we've got to be willing to take risks and take chances on relationships. Even though you've been wounded before, I'm telling you, I understand, but you've got to be willing to take a risk and you've got to be willing to trust and you got to trust that God can heal you and he can literally bring people into your life that will bring a refreshing breath of healthy relationships. We need that. All of us need that. And so I need others to work with me. You know, I have, I have work to do at times. Have you guys ever had a, a task and you go and you're looking at it and you're, it's a daunting task and you're thinking, man, I got to do this. Maybe you got a side of yard and you got all these pallets of side sitting there and you think, man, I've got to lay out all this side and then three or four friends show up. And so the thing is, is what it was going to take, however long it was going to take you, it just got cut in half or maybe by a third or maybe by a quarter and you're able to get it done in like a fraction of the time, right? So we all have work to do and it's always awesome when people come in, like setting these tables up. You know, there's been times in here as with this, uh, this, the way we got it set up right now with all these chairs was, Hey, listen guys, we're going to have a, a, an event in here tonight. We need everybody, if you would, to help us stack these chairs up. And when you got about 15 or 20 people stacking chairs up and moving chairs out of the way or rolling tables in and setting up for an event or a banquet, it's amazing how it happens, right? And so we have work to do and we need people to work with us because it really makes a difference in our lives. It blesses us. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God's got, he's got plans for me. He's got plans for you. And he wants me to do those with other people. He wants me to enjoy working for him, working with others. That we come together as the body of Christ. We use our gifts and we help build up the body of Christ. And so we need, you know, we need other people to work with us. I love this. It says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Who doesn't want to be successful, right? You know, so if you want to be successful, man, get people to help you, to work with you. You know, we, we need others to work alongside of us. So therefore, we, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So I need to work with people. I need to help them. You know, I, I joke about this. I don't like moving. I hate moving. Anybody else in here hate moving? Hate moving. So don't ask me to help you move. No, I'm just kidding. I will help. It may be begrudgingly, but I will help you move. Uh, but it's one of those things where I don't like help. I don't like moving. I, I like helping people, but I don't like moving. And, and so, you know, when Laurie and I moved in our last house. We had a bunch of guys show up with their trucks and their trailers and all that stuff. And they did a great job of helping us move. And, uh, and so it, it, it just makes everything quicker and it makes everything so much easier when you got a lot of people helping together, right? There are times that we don't want to help people. You know, we avoid getting involved. We don't want to, you know, there's people that need help around us. And maybe it's not help moving. Maybe it's they just need help 
with, you know, with life. And we're going, man, I don't want to get involved. Well, no, we're supposed to get involved. And so we're supposed to especially help out the family of faith. So community is God's answer to fatigue. You know, you, you might think, I've got all this to do. I've got so much to accomplish. But what if you ask somebody? I used to be the world's worst about asking for help. And, um, you know, and some of that's probably just ego or machoism or whatever. But I can remember I would have stuff I needed to unload. And instead of calling and asking, I mean, I could walk next door and knock on my neighbor's door and ask him to come help. But I'm like, no, I got this. And I would end up tweaking my back or hurting my back or something like that. And, and Laura would be like, why don't you get the boys to help? I'm like, and it's kind of that, you know, I got it. I can kind of like the series we just did. I got this. That was my, probably my, my mentality. It's like, I've got it. And I end up hurting my back or tweaking my back or something like that. And I'm like, that was just stupid. And sometimes we do stupid stuff, right? We do that. And so the thing is, is we ought to ask for help. And sometimes we let pride get in the way that we don't want to ask for help. And I don't know if you, any of you other guys are like that or any of you other ladies are like that, that you go, you know, I've got this. I don't need any help. That's pride. And sometimes we need to crucify the pride and say, you know what? I need help. I need somebody to step in and help me. And, and so it helps. It's God's answer to fatigue. Two can get the work done in half the time. And we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to get it done you know, in, in half the time. Help me to teamwork makes the dream work. We've got to have that mentality. You know what? It, we do way, we're way more effective when we have a team going. And let me just say this. Like every Sunday, we have the dream team that works here or that serves here. And they do all kinds of things. There are so many people that are doing things that you, you get, some of you guys don't even realize. But you got people that are serving all over. And it takes 100 plus people per service, I think it is, to make things happen on Sunday. And so you got, you got teachers that are teaching children over in the children's ministry. You got guys that are back here on cameras. You got people upstairs that are doing the pro piece stuff. You got people doing the broadcast that goes out. You got people back here doing sound. You got a worship team that does stuff, right? You got a backstage manager that makes sure that batteries get swapped out, all kinds of stuff like that. You've got people that are serving in the cafe, making coffee. You got people that are out here greeting. You got ushers that are helping people find seats. You got people in the parking lot that are, you know, just greeting people and making people feel welcome. I mean, there's so many things that happen every week that people don't think about. But I'm just telling you, they make the dream work. They literally are what, hap- what makes it happen every Sunday. You know, and we have two services right now, and we have talked about adding a third service because whenever these services start getting full, they will not grow. And we, we want to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. And so we're thinking how we, that means adding more people, right, to that team. But we cannot do it with the same number of people. We need more people to step up, and we need people to say, hey, listen, I want to make a difference, and I want to be a part of the team and I want to see the dream work. So it's important for us to understand that. Here's another one. I need others to watch out for me. Not only do we need, you know, people to, you know, to work with us, but we need people watching out for us. You know, like whenever we talked about that herd together, a lot of times whenever the, the lion is trying to sneak up on the herd, there's all these eyeballs, they're all watching out, right? And they see something that looks like the enemy. They see something that looks like a predator. And what they do is they alert everybody and everybody takes off running or whatever. And so it's, it's safety, right? So you got all these eyes. So I need others to watch out for me. I need somebody to watch me and watch out for me. There are times that people say, hey, listen, man, you know, I see this in your life. And you need somebody to say, hey, listen, man, you're killing your marriage. Hey, you know what? You're killing your children. Hey, man, you know, you're, you're doing whatever. And we need people that are watching out for us, that care about us. And they're not trying to hurt your feelings. They're trying to help you to be the best man or the best woman that you can possibly be. And so we need others to watch out for us. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. See, there's a mentality sometimes where it's like, hey, I don't want to get involved. I can remember growing up, you know, if we ever saw a wreck or something like that and I saw it, I was like, well, mom, do you, you know, dad, do you want to 
you know, tell anybody or whatever. And they're like, no, you don't want to get involved. That was the whole mentality. You didn't want to get involved, right? And maybe y'all have that mentality. Hey, listen, I don't want to get involved because it might cost me resources. It might cost me time. I may have to go to court. I may have to do whatever. But it, it, hey, what if it's the right thing? But we go, hey, I don't want to get involved. But here scripture says, don't just take an interest in your own calendar and your own time. It's just to take an interest in the, the needs of others. And so we, we often follow what the culture says or maybe what our mom and dad said rather than what scripture says. And so we don't want to get involved because we're like, man, I don't want to get involved in that. It may cost me. And I'm just telling you, relationships will cost you. But there's a great return on healthy relationships. There's a great return on healthy relationships. We just got to be willing to make the investment. Ecclesiastes 4 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone and is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? I, I used to have this mentality. I, I, you guys know I love to hunt and stuff. And, and so used to, I would, I would go hunting and I didn't want anybody to uh, really go with me because I, I was afraid they would mess me up. They'd mess up my hunt type deal. And so I can remember years ago, I would go and Lori's dad would ask me, he goes, so you're just going by yourself? And I was like, yeah. And, uh, and anyway, he asked me about, you know, what I do and everything else. And I wouldn't even use a flashlight to go in because I didn't want to spook the animals or anything like that. So I would just kind of walk through the dark. And he was like, you're walking through the dark. You're not worried about coyotes or bobcats. I'm like, no, not really. Now, if I was up north, I was worried about grizzly bears. Yes, I would. But anyway, I'm like, no, I'm good. And he goes, what if you fall? What if you hurt yourself? And I was like, well, that could be a problem. And that's exactly what scripture says, right? And so when we let pride kind of get in the way and we make it about us and our successes rather than about others, we, we miss out on, you know, being able to do life together. And so what I learned from that, that was, that was back when I was so focused on, on me and I began to die to that. And I realized, you know what, the best part about hunting is not, you know, the, the, even, you know, what you take or whatever, it's, it's doing it with others. It's spending time with other people. And so, of course, when I had three boys, you were always taking them. Your success rate goes way down. Theirs goes way up, you know. And so you take them and you spend time with them and you make it about camping out and cooking over a fire and stuff like that. And so it became these great memories, right? And, and now my boys are grown and gone. And so you know, it's, just, it's like that with friends, man. I, I would rather go and have a, a hunt with friends. It's way more fun. And so we, we learned that, but we've got to be careful that we have somebody watching out for us. You know, thinking from a safety standpoint, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And I'm just telling you, there's some of us that want to isolate and push ourselves away from everybody, and we're in real trouble is what Scripture's saying. We've got to be willing to say, God, will you show me someone that I can open my heart up to that will help me in times of need? And I'm telling you, God's got that person there, but you've got to trust him, and you've got to trust them. It says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I love that passage, and many of you guys have heard that one. And so, you know, you think about it, the picture that it gives is pretty easy that, you know, you're looking this way and, you know, and you don't know what's behind you. But if you got someone who's got your back and they're standing behind you and they're looking the other way, man, they're watching both ways. And then I love that even when it says three or even better to instead of having to watch half of everything, only have to watch a third of everything because there's three of us that are standing back to back. And instead of having to cover all of this, I'm covering this, I'm covering a third. And so you're just more effective, better coverage, better protection. And, and there's a community is God's answer to the enemy's attack. 
And so there's something about having someone who has your back, someone who is praying for you, someone who's standing in a gap, someone who is, you know, watching you and they're saying, hey, listen, man, you might want to be careful with this. You know, you don't, want, you don't want to see somebody hit a pit or step into a pit. You want to help them avoid certain things. You want them to be successful if you really love them, right? You want to see their marriage succeed. You want to see their children succeed. You want to see them make a difference in life. And, and so community is God's answer to the enemy's attack. And let me just tell you, it's coming. He does everything he can every day to attack you. You just don't always see it coming. You know, it's subtle. Sometimes it's sneaky, you know, and he's lying. He's, he's dropping things in your ear that you begin to believe over the truth of God's word. You think, hey, I don't need anybody in my life. That's a lie. That's the enemy. God's word says you need people in your life. God says you need to be serving people. You need to be making a difference. You should be using your gifts. And God says you don't have, I mean, and the enemy says you don't have anything to offer. You don't really have anything to offer. Nobody wants you around. That's what the enemy says. And if you believe that, you're, you're losing. And so you need people around you that are there. I've got your six. This is a term that came from like World War II. And, uh, and, and it was uh, military guys would talk about, I've got your six. That's six o'clock. That's behind you, right? You know, we'd say, hey, something's, you know, you know, it's at 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock or 12 o'clock. Well, six, uh, I've got your six. I've got your back is pretty much what that's saying. I've got your six means I've got your back. Somebody's watching out for you. And let me just tell you, we all need somebody like that. We need somebody that's watching out for us that cares about us, that loves us, that is watching over us. And they say, hey, listen, man, I'm praying for you. I'm standing in a gap for you. We need that person in our life. And then here's another one. I need others to weep with me. There's going to be times that we go through tough struggles in life. If you're going to be involved in relationships, you're going to have issues. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have struggles. I mean, that's just part of life, right? And, and so we've got to, we need someone that can weep with us. There's times that we lose someone. You know, there's someone in our life that, man, they breathe their last breath and man, we need, we need, we're, we're struggling. We're grieving. We're mourning that loss. And there are times that we need someone to weep with us. You know, we, we need someone to weep with us. And I, I'm one of those, I, I don't have a problem weeping in front of people. I promise you. But I would just say this, there are times that we go, Hey, I don't need anybody to see me weep. It's okay. Jesus wept, right? If we're following Jesus, we weep. If we follow in Jesus, we let our emotions out and, and that's okay. And so I think about, you know, someone who's lost someone, you know, oftentimes you think, well, what do you say? Sometimes it's not what you say. You just go and you're there and, and you're just with them. And sometimes you just weep with them. And, and so we need people that will empathize and, and sympathize with us. First Peter 3, it says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. It says to sympathize. You know, when someone's hurting, man, it bothers you. I watch a family that's struggling maybe their marriage is falling apart and it grieves my heart it should bother you as well right and, and so whenever we see someone that's struggling with life you know and maybe they're struggling with an addiction man it grieves us it, it, it just bothers us we sympathize with them and we want what's best for them we want them to be set free we want them to walk in freedom and so it should bother us and that's what scripture says is man you know whatever's happening in the church in the body you know it may be for you guys like well you know i don't know that guy sitting back over there or i don't know that person sitting back over there or, i don't know that person that's watching online well, god does god knows and if they're part of the body of christ the, the the bible says that we should care about what's happening in their life we should care about how close their walk is we should care about you know if they're lonely or not we should worry about those things we should care about those things but we're to to love them if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. 
All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Uh, so here's what I love. It says, hey, listen, if one part is struggling, you know, man, we need, to, we need to care about that and worry about that. But look at what it says. And if one part is honored, you know, instead of being envious or, or jealous, like, well, how come they honored them? That's the flesh, right? We go, man, that's awesome. And we celebrate with them. If they're honored, we, we, we're honored with them, right? Because they're part of the body of Christ. We're all one. It says, all the parts are glad. It says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part of it. So in other words, if you put your faith in Christ, we're all really part of one big family. Our name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we're all going to spend eternity together. So we ought to get along pretty good, you know, now, right? Start working at that. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So, man, somebody's happy, you celebrate with them, you laugh with them, you enjoy it. And whenever they're weeping, hopefully it, it tugs at your heartstrings, and maybe you weep with them. You know, we've got some people here in the church that are, um, that are weepers. Uh, we can talk about a few things and, and we can, I, I mean, I, I'm one of those, I can talk about Jesus. I can talk about salvation. Man, I start weeping and there's a couple of people that are sympathetic weepers and they're like, man, if you start weeping, I start weeping, you know, that's just how it works. And so that's okay. We're to weep with those who weep. That's what scripture says. We don't have to try to, I got to maintain this. So community is God's answer to despair. I love this. Community is God's answer to despair. It's what allows us to keep moving forward because we know that there are people around us that are there for us they're weeping with us they're you know they're, they've got our back they're praying for us they're speaking words of encouragement and sometimes they don't have to say anything they're just there they're just there and they're willing to listen to us uh, i love this statement here paul watzlawick uh, was a revolutionary uh, psychotherapist who believed that the key to overcoming emotional issues in life was not self-analysis but effective communication with others. Notice that. In other words, you know what, you know what he's talking about? There? He's talking about counseling. He's talking about group therapy. He's talking about, you know, hey, listen, man, if you're struggling with something, instead of hiding it and tucking it away, because that's what the enemy tells you to do. Hey, listen, you need to hide that. You don't need to let anybody know about it. And what we do is we let that eat us up like a cancer where what this guy pointed to was something that, you know, Jesus talked about, what Scripture talked about. Confess your sins to one another that healing may begin. And so the more that we talk about things, the more that we confess things, the more that healing begins and, and we become healthy from talking about it in community. And, and so I love what this guy's pointing to. What he's saying, hey, listen, man, scripture says that if we confess our sins to one, one to another, healing begins rather than hiding it, you know, and then avoiding people and isolating, which is what the enemy tells you, what God's word says, hey, listen, let's talk about what's going on. Let's get it on the table. Let's deal with it. Let's, let's forgive and let's, let's, let's let go and let's move on. Let's move forward. And so that's, that's a beautiful picture there. Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one, one another. So Jesus said, just as I've loved you. And again, remember what I said? Jesus said, you know, didn't need anybody in his life. And he had 12 guys that he invested his life in. And then he had other people around them that, you know, that literally were a part, part of his life, part of his community. And then he was around thousands and thousands he said, listen, I need you guys to love one another, not tolerate one another, not just put up with one another, but love one another just so I've loved you. And, and so that's, that's what we're, we've been given. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So if you're wondering, hey, does anybody know if I'm a Christian? If you love people and you're spending time with people, it's a pretty good indicator that, you know what, the world is going, you know what, they must be a follower of Christ. But if you're one of those where, you know what, I don't want anybody in my life and I'm isolating and I'm bitter and I'm angry and, you know, they're going, man, I ain't sure that dude's saved. I, I went this past week, I was with a guy 
And he was talking about, I asked him, I said, where do you go to church at? He goes, this is my church. And we were outside, we were outdoors. And uh, he said, this is my church. He said, man, I, and I've been to church. He said, man, there's so many people in there. I'm thinking, how in the world could they be in church? I said, well, you know what? I don't know if you realize it, but that's, I said, that's who Jesus died for. He died for all of us. And we're all hypocrites, right? We're all broken. We're all sinners. And, and, and I get where he's coming from because there are certain people you go, man, what are they doing in church because of how they live is so blatantly against what God's word teaches. But what it is, is they're lost. They probably have religion. They don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. But you can't just say, hey, listen, I'm done with all these people when Jesus said, that's who I died for. I mean, the most broken, sinful person you can think of. Jesus went to the cross for him, just like he went there for me. And, and so we've got to understand, we've got to love people. And here's the last one. I need others to celebrate with me. I need others to celebrate with me. See, that's why I love it whenever one puts his faith in Christ and we see someone in this room raise their hand or someone messages us and says, I pray to receive Christ today. You know what we do? We celebrate. We go, well, you know what? They went from death unto life. They're a new creation. Their name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They've got a new name. They've got a new heart. Man, it's, it's a big deal. Whenever they go through the waters of baptism, we say, buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in the newness of life. We celebrate. We go, man, that's awesome. We celebrate that, right? And, and I'm just telling you, I need others in my life that celebrate those big moments. Not only in my life, but in my kid's life, in my, in my wife's life, in my family's life. We need people that will celebrate those big moments with us. We need that. We need them to weep with us. We need them to celebrate with us. We need to go, God, I, I need people in my life that love me, that love my marriage, love my family, and God, they love you. And so we need that community. So I need others to celebrate with me. Jesus told the story. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Absolutely. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but man, Jesus is searching. Man, he is looking for that one. We pray every week that God would bring the lost here. That they'll either come through that television right there, man. They're going to come through that, that broadcast or they're going to walk through these doors and, and God is going to draw them here. Or either we as the church, when we go out, we will find them and we'll share the gospel with them. And they'll hear about the good shepherd. They'll hear about the one that can redeem them, that can heal them, that can change them. And, and so here's the thing, whenever they do put their faith in Christ, we celebrate, right? And so Jesus is saying, that's the way it is. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It, it, Jesus left heaven to come here to find us. And if you're here today and you're lost, I'm telling you, he's looking for you. And he, he is he's tugging at your heart. He wants that relationship with you. I love this. It says, when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Don't you love that? It's like, hey guys, listen, man, this guy was lost and now he's saved. This guy was dead and now he's alive. And so whenever we celebrate that, man, we're celebrating with them. And look at what it says, what, what heaven does. And Jesus said, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner, over one over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. It says that heaven rejoices if one calls out and says, Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to redeem me. I need you to forgive me. And so no matter where we are, man, in our, in our walk, we ought to get excited when one person comes to know Christ because all of heaven does. I love that. Says, so I, I think this is clear. We clearly need each other by God's perfect design. We go back to the very beginning of Scripture. 
we're created for community. We're created for relationships. And I understand that there's plenty of people in this room and those watching online that have broken relationships, strained relationships, wounds that you're still toting around. And God said, hey, listen, I can heal that, but he's, here's what I love. He will heal that through community. He will heal that through community. And so we need community. Every one of us does. There's nobody in this room, there's nobody watching online that can say, I don't need people. You bought the lie. And you're believing a lie that the enemy has fed you. The last thing and most important thing, we need Jesus. We need, a, we need a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus. And that will change every other relationship. And it'll, it'll begin that healing process in us. And so the next steps for us today, this is the most important one is begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Just saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, I come to you today broken over my sin, confessing it to you. I'm asking you to change me. I'm asking you to step into my life, to heal me, to redeem me, and I want to follow you. I want to quit living the way I've been living, and I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so we take that step, and then the next one is join a life group and discover community. Get involved in one of these life groups. Go to the QR code, whatever, and say, you know what? I'm going to get involved in a life group. You might think, I don't know any of those people. And some of you, I can go ahead and tell you, you're afraid of what they might ask, what they might say, who they might be. And you're letting the enemy cheat you out of community because you're letting fear rule in your life. And that's not what a believer does. A believer has not been given a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power and a sound mind. And so we walk in the authority of Christ. And so we're not afraid of what's out there. So what we do is we go and say, God, show me the next step. And God, I will trust you. So I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know what your need might be today. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online and you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation. Let me encourage you today. Let that be your most important decision. Just say, Jesus, I come to you and I confess that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've blown it. And so, Jesus, will you forgive me of the sins I've committed? His answer is yes. It's written in red in in God's word. He will forgive you. So, Jesus, if you will forgive me, then I surrender my life and I want to follow you. And I want to live for you from this point forward. That's repentance. And so if you confess your sins and you repent of your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of all unrighteousness. And here's the thing. He will write your name in the Lamb's book of life in his own blood because he's purchased you with that precious blood. And it's only by faith. You don't earn it. You just receive the gift of eternal life by faith in who Jesus is. And so if you just prayed that prayer, anybody in this room, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, if you would just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just, I just prayed to receive Jesus. Anybody, just raise your hand high. I see a hand right over here. Anybody else, just raise your hand. Just raise it high. Say, Mike, I just prayed to receive Christ. Maybe you're watching online. You did that. If you don't mind, text and just say, my decision to 94,000. Hey, I just prayed that prayer. I just received Christ. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to God's kingdom. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the body of Christ. And we celebrate with you. We celebrate life. Maybe you're here today. And you know that God is dealing with you about the loneliness in your life, the wounds in your life, how you try to isolate, how you try to hide, and you avoid people, and you put up barriers, and you don't use what God has given you to minister to others. And God's convicting you about that. 
I want to give you an opportunity to respond. The worship team is going to come and they're going to sing in just a second. The altar is going to be open. The prayer team will be here to pray with you, to pray for you. But I really want to encourage you just to trust God. Trust Him enough to let go. Trust Him enough to let God bring some people into your life that can walk with you. That can do life with you. That can be a community. can be a family. I just want to encourage you to trust Him. He's got your best interest in mind. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for loving us. I thank you that you designed us for community. God, you created us for relationships. And we know they're hard. But God, we trust you. God, we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All across the room, if you would stand. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Worship team's going to come lead us. But just the altar is open. Maybe it's just getting on your knees and saying, God, I need to, I need to trust you.